This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and I am here with my regular conversation partner, Lucian Greaves. Lucian, welcome. Happy to be here. Yeah, so we're just going to get right into it. I'm not going to do my usual housekeeping preamble. We will just we will just get right into the meat of the conversation. So, a really interesting thing has happened in our community. For those who don't know, you are the co-founder of the Satanic Temple. I am a minister of Satan in the Satanic Temple. You asked to have a conversation because some interesting things have been going on in our community, and I thought that we would just have an open conversation about it and get your thoughts on it. So uh, how how do we want to start telling the story of the controversy? Uh, do you Do you just want to give, like, first a basic rundown of events of what happened, and then we can discuss it? I'll give a full breakdown of events. Uh, I'll give. I'll start with the background that some people might not know, okay. and that goes back to I think 2015 or 2016. David Silverman was the head of American Atheists, and at that time, it seemed like everybody loved him, and he was the first person really to bring us out into the open, the Satanic Temple. He invited me to speak at the American Atheist Conference, which was something I appreciated because a lot of people at that conference didn't understand who we were. We weren't well known yet. And there were people who were angry, openly angry, that I was speaking at this conference. And so, you know, I appreciated him for inviting me and I met him. He was he was very nice, very accommodating, very polite. Um, but we didn't develop what I would call a real friendship. We never talked to each other on a personal level. We never kept up with each other. That was really the extent of my involvement with him. And so I knew he had gotten booted from American Atheists. He wasn't he didn't just quit. He didn't retire. He was kicked out. And there was controversy surrounding that, but my understanding of it was, is that it was sexual impropriety in the way of, and I know somebody's bound to try to correct me here, and they, they could be right, because I, I just didn't follow the story. I wasn't interested enough. My understanding of it was, is that he was banging somebody that he also placed on the board, which opened up the question of whether this was some kind of grossly inappropriate quid pro quo, or, you know, maybe he just really liked some people that he thought were competent. And I, I see now people are saying that there's credible allegations of sexual abuse or whatever. And I don't really know. I'm just telling you what, what my perspective was and what I thought I knew about this guy. So, you know, all this time passes and he hasn't been head of American Atheists, and as far as I know, he has no real influence. He's not holding a post anywhere or whatever. But last week or the week before, he came to Salem, and he stopped in the Satanic Temple, was working in the office. I came down. I said hi to him. Uh, he wanted to get a picture with me. Him and his wife were there. And I said, of course, everybody gets pictures with me when they're there and I'm there. 
And so he did. And I introduced him to the people working there, told them this is a guy who really brought us out in the open, that whole preamble. And he left. We shook hands. Seemed great. Then, like three days later, there's all this uproar because David Silverman is considered to be grossly transphobic now. And, you know, me getting a picture with him was uh, deemed an endorsement of whatever points of views he's propagating right now. And it, it was impossible for me to take it that seriously from the outset, uh, coming as it did mostly from people, I think, who know better that everybody gets pictures with me. How many people, at least in our community, have posted pictures of, of me at headquarters with them, with the Baphomet? I can't think of a time where I've been out in public and somebody's asked me for a picture that I've said no. It's just a risk I take, and I expect at this point people would just understand. Yeah, that's that's something that happens. So, I mean, the vast majority of people don't have this kind of problem at all. So I, I would think that if we're looking at uh, the, the difference in circumstances between me and anybody else, it would be understood that the risk I run is being in pictures with people I might not agree with and not know it. Yeah. And so that picture was taken and people started really complaining and, and, and demanding to know what was going on. And, you know, I, and all I could do was tell people, look, this place is open to the public. People come in, people get pictures with me. That's what it is. I don't, I I don't know what his point of view is, and I, I frankly don't really care. I'm not going to go through his social media, figure it out. I don't, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm uh, abusively diminishing anybody to say that I don't think he's really consequential enough for me to do that. I, I think he was really kind of broken down after being kicked out of American Atheists, his crowd previously was well left of center and i it just doesn't seem like he's he's ever getting that back and plus i have that history with him where i have to you know i have to recognize that here was somebody who was polite and nice to me regardless of anything else he's done i think it's inappropriate to ask me to denounce this guy uh and that's what 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 it was coming down to people immediately were able to concede yeah, well, maybe you don't know what somebody's thinking or what somebody's doing, and you don't know the political views of everybody you get a picture with. But now you're obligated to find out and denounce this guy. And I'm just thinking, shit, I don't I don't want to do that. I don't actually really denounce anybody, at least nobody on some kind of personal level like that. I'm going hard at a guy like Jason Rapert in Arkansas, the theocratic senator against us. This is not somebody who's who's uh, introduced me to his wife or family or whatever. I might treat him differently even and, and just say, you know, somebody else has pulled the trigger on this. But it's not about David Silverman. It's about it's about me. It's about me having boundaries and it's about me not being the guy. And it's about if you want my story about David Silverman, I'm not going to lie to you and say I could always see there was something wrong with this guy or there's something deranged about him. I always knew it or I'm not going to retroactively interpret things to say like, yeah, now that I think about it, I really should have thought differently about the way he put his hand on my shoulder or any of that kind of bullshit. 
Like, if you want my personal story about David Silverman, all I can say is, I didn't know this was a problematic character. He seemed like a nice guy to me. And that's the end of my knowledge. And I refuse to make myself somebody who pours through social media posts, goes and figures out what the whole controversy is about this guy who I said I don't think has any real influence over people at this point. And I think it's just cruel to ask people to do that. Some people don't want to do that. Some people aren't meant for doing that. Some people don't want to be on the front lines of battle. I'm on the front lines of battle all the time, but I don't want to live my life 100% doing combat with people. And I wasn't willing to jump into a flame war just to placate other people when there was no specific goal in mind. And people are immediately coming to me and saying that I'm transphobic if I don't do this. So, I mean, for all I know, Dave Silverman was caught in a picture with somebody else, and now he's transphobic, and now it's just rubbing off on everybody else. But the thing is, is you don't look back at medieval torture devices and say, that's barbaric, that's brutal, that I can't believe we ever did that, and then stop and reflect and say, but were those people guilty? It's not about whether people are guilty or innocent sometimes. It's about who we are as people, how we treat even the guilty. When we start acting like monsters like this to people and demanding that people treat other people this way, we make complete monsters of ourselves. And even if somebody's guilty, you can't let them turn you into a monster too. And I really think it's monstrous when we develop a culture where we're demanding denunciations from people. We're demanding that people who had previous contact with people be the ones who denounce those people. And we're not willing to hear any of their reasoning or not, not willing to hear any of their past experience with a certain person. Like if, if they want my personal story attached to David Silverman, like I said, that's all I can say. Yeah, is, there it these, is. That's they, it. Right. <laughs> Right. So if you don't want that, if you don't want to hear that, I just thought he was a nice guy, then don't fucking come to me with this. You know, you're you're free to denounce him. And if words are both if both words are violence and silence are is violence and both these things can be true, then I have done plenty of violence to Silverman by being silent all this time. And maybe he's deserving of that. Like I said, I don't know. But if you really want my personal perspective, which has been kind of forced out of me now, that's what it is. And I, I think people are going to be very unsatisfied with that. They, they want me to look back retroactively and say terrible things about him. Uh, they want me to acknowledge that he's some kind of terrible guy. And I'm neither here to vindicate him nor denounce him. To me, all of that is irrelevant. What is relevant, though, is how we respond, how we act, how we behave, how we treat even enemies. And this is not the way. I want to frame this conversation with a few opening remarks, which is that a lot of people have voiced their concerns about this situation. And everyone has the right to do that. Everyone has the right to share their perspective and where they are coming from. And this is a community. 
And being in a community means that we get to take turns, that we all get to hear each other's perspectives on a situation that is in the public eye. And this is one of those situations, and now it's our turn to share our perspectives. And this is part of what it means to be in community, uh, coming together, hearing each other out, even when we have divergent intuitions or we disagree. This is what it means to be in community. I'm grateful to everyone who has tried to share their perspective uh, from a measured and compassionate and empathetic place. And uh, now we are going to try to do the same. So it seems like there are a number of concerns that came up with this photo. I've been trying to pinpoint specifically what the, con what the concerns are. One concern, and this is the concern that seemed to in immediately surface, was is Lucian actually friends with David Silverman? And if so, does that mean Lucian holds transphobic beliefs? Does that mean that Lucian does not support the trans community? And then there is the other concern, which is, well, you know, of course, Lucian can't vet every single photo, but his response to this was quite defensive and didn't help and is coming off like a toddler. And then there is the other concern, which is this demonstrates a pattern of disregard for the trans community and people have felt neglected or unacknowledged by EM not talking about uh, trans rights. And I can and I think that those are the three primary concerns. And I want to tackle the first one, the idea of friendship, because I personally do not relate to this concern. So so let's say you were friends with David Silverman. That wouldn't necessarily bother me. I wouldn't care because I don't see friendship with complicated people as necessarily defining someone's personal core values. I understand that friendship is complicated. I, I think that to be human, to be alive, is to have complicated relationships with other people. Sometimes we genuinely like the company of other people who believe things that we disagree with. And these are not mere disagreements. Sometimes these are disagreements of profound ethical consequence. And yet, we still enjoy each other's company. I think that's a pretty normal human experience. I think to be human is to get dirty, is to get ideologically dirty, is to be cross-contaminated by other people. For example, one person who I really admire, an acquaintance and writer I really admire, is Jonathan Rausch, who you have also spoken with on your show. So Jonathan Rausch is kind of an old-school gay activist and a journalist, and he recently wrote a piece reflecting on his friendship with the late Timothy Keller. And Timothy Keller is a was a conservative Presbyterian minister who I consider pretty noxious, who I consider to have pretty homophobic beliefs, 
he was a big influence on my life growing up in the conservative Christian world. And I found, and I, I find Timothy Keller's beliefs pretty barbaric. And I, and when I read Jonathan Rausch's piece, I didn't think, how dare he? I didn't think, does this put everything that Jonathan Rausch has believed and fought for, for gay rights, does this compromise everything? My reaction was, oh, this is interesting because friendship is just complicated. That's just the way it is. And I don't, I don't relate to this idea that associations with different people reflects on our fundamental core values. And I have worked very hard to cultivate that response because I don't want to see something as banal as a photo, as some kind of assault on my personhood, which it isn't, or a statement of what you believe. It isn't a statement of what you believe. We don't know what people believe until they actually tell us. And I think that your life's work has demonstrated that you support rights for everyone, including trans people. And so I really do not relate to this notion of harm from a photograph. I don't, I don't get it. I am a member of the queer community. I don't feel harm when Jonathan Rausch says that he is he was friends with the late Timothy Keller, whose ideology I consider actively atrocious. I don't consider myself harmed by that in any way because I've I've worked hard in my life to not experience the world in that way. And well, so Ted Bundy had a girlfriend and a, a long term one. She might have been his wife at the time he uh he went to, to prison and was, you know, put to death. And I think people want to believe that any outside life somebody has from their odious behavior must all just be a ploy to cover up for that and that there's no reality to the family man there or whatever. I think the uh, I think the reality is is much more sad and much more, uh, you know, much more uh, disturbing in that, uh, you know, many things can be true about somebody at the same time. And I think somebody like him had something seriously wrong with him. And he probably wished that that part of him was the only part of him and, and not the compulsion to go out and kill and things like that. Um, but, you know, we don't go to Ted Bundy's girlfriend when it comes time to flip the switch and say like, well, that's your job now, you know, you've, you've got to do that. Uh, you, you know, you, you must denounce this guy and, and you, you can't, you can't even reminisce about, uh, any, any of the, uh, the other things that you saw there, there's no, no hope or whatever. It's impossible for us to see it, but if somebody else does and they can maybe talk to this person or whatever, let them do it. You know, that's that's maybe, you know, some potential for a way forward. There's different people who have different roles in these types of things, maybe just dependent on where they are given time and place. But to go after friends or family. And again, I can't say I was friends with Silverman. I've given the whole summary of my the entirety of my <laughs> yes. relationship with this guy. Yes. But even then, I feel like 
well, this is somebody who was kind to me, and I can't deny that. Yeah, He might deserve what he's getting, but I don't deserve to be the one to do it. And, and that's, that's, that's where I rest on that. And it's like, you can, you can call him out all you want. You can denounce him, but it goes too far to demand that anybody else do it too. And at first, you know, I'm getting attacked for this and being made to feel like I'm a bad guy for not wanting to go on the attack against him and start up a, a internet flame war. To what end? Who knows? It, you know, if he's as sinister as all that, it would only benefit from the the controversy or whatever. And that's just that's just that's just not the way to go about things. When you say you when you say the attacks came in, what shape did the attacks take? It was ridiculous. So right, right out the gate, people are demanding that I resign from, you, you know, my position as spokesperson and co-founder. I guess as as though that can be a thing. But uh, yeah, just remove yourself just, from TST entirely. Yeah, yeah, just just the worst assumptions, and then demands. You know, uh, these demands that, well, in or I I need to prove something to everybody now, and I needed to prove something by denouncing him, and then. As these things always do, it comes back to the whole issue of issuing statements. And from the very start, you know, there's always been that demand that we issue regular statements, pledges of allegiance to different causes or whatever. And these people writing me and saying, all you have to say is, you know, and giving me the exact script. And, you know, these scripts always read like the same shit that like Nabisco would post on Twitter <laughs> to show people that, you know, they're a corporation that cares about pride and things like that. It's always the most empty rhetoric that demands qualifiers. We stand unequivocally with, and it's, in, you know, it always begs the question of well, what does that mean in practice? And nobody seems to care what these things mean in practice. I fucking do. You know, I don't want to use empty rhetoric. When I'm telling you I stand up for people's rights, I want to tell you what I'm doing about it. And as it stands, we've had people coming to us demanding we take action for trans rights and things like that. And to date, nobody's really come to us with an idea. People's, people have come to us with demands for statements. I put together protocols for acting as expert witness on behalf of religiously protected arguments for trans rights and bodily autonomy, because in case anybody's still wondering, yes, we support trans rights unequivocally. Yes, because undeniably. Bodily autonomy, it's it's etched into our tenets, our fundamental tenets. So to say that an, an event like this, me being in a picture with somebody, causes them to reconsider everything just tells me that they don't really know anything we've been doing. They don't read what I'm writing. They're they're not they're not somebody who's really engaged to begin with. Is the is the thinking I have? So. You know, I guess that brings us to that whole point you made about people saying, well, my reaction was defensive, but it seems so Kafka-esque. You know, I think of a scenario in which somebody has drugs planted on them by the police. And you say they found an eight ball of cocaine on your passenger seat in your car. And you say, no fucking way. That's not mine. In fact, we have video footage of a cop dumping it there. And then they say, well, listen, man. All you have to do 
is apologize to the community you harm, the community that's harmed by the evils of drug usage. And you say, well, I've got nothing to do with that because I wasn't dealing drugs. I didn't have these, I didn't have this eight ball of cocaine on me. You dumped it there. You go to court, you tell the judge, look, it was planted on me. And the judge says, look, dude, we really got to talk about your attitude here. Like, we're beyond that now. Now we're just wondering why it is, you know, you won't say that you're 100% on board with the D.A.R.E. program or whatever. It's just, it's bizarre. Like when somebody accuses me of something and I have no idea what they're talking about, no harm meant, like the, their interpretation is way off. It seems completely natural to me to say so. Yeah. So when do I want to say this? No, I will, I will, say, I will say it now. I want to extend solidarity and empathy to my trans siblings. Legitimately, this is, it is scary. This is a scary time to be trans in America. And I, as a gay man, I'm feeling it too. You know, I'm feeling the heat of homophobia in a way that, frankly, I haven't felt for the past 10 years. You know, I, I work in the public. I, I work with the public and... It used to be that we would get some kind of homophobic or transphobic incident once a year. I mean, very, very rarely here in the mountains, here in Appalachia. Now it feels like it is every other week where someone will say something nasty. So, I, well, I just got to say, like, so, I mean, people might be thinking, like, so is now really the time to be taking this position? Is now really the time to be taking a stand against this kind of culture of denunciation? And, and the like answer that? is yes. Yes, absolutely. Because I think it's so counterproductive. I and think yes, it, it, it just it prevents us from doing anything in the in this idea that all you had to do was post this script. That should tell you something. That shouldn't be all anybody has to do. Nobody should be placated by that. And the fact that people are not only placated by that, but they can't seem to imagine beyond that into any tangible action is, I think, part of the reason we're in the position we're in right now. This this behavior, this uh, this tendency to, to lash out at one another, to, to make these demands of one another, to keep ostracizing people and to keep trying to uh, purge from inside the ranks and, and trying to sniff out the rat and that kind of just it's it's a it's just a brutal mob mentality and it's not none of it seems to be actually aimed towards the opposition you can't go on twitter and hurt ben shapiro's feelings by calling him a transphobe or whatever and when that's all you have in your arsenal you start just aiming for people who are hurt by those accusations. You start aiming for people like me. You start aiming for other people you're working with. And you start setting these ludicrous standards because you feel like you're making forward progress by doing it. You at least have action taking place. But all you're doing is tearing each other apart. And you're making yourself into monsters. Like I think it's the better part of me that doesn't want to attack David Silverman. It's the part of me that I actually want to cultivate. Me too. I feel like I've been in the war zone for 10 years straight. I cherish any moment I can have where I can just talk to somebody as a person. And I'm not talking about Silverman. I'm talking about anybody. Any moment I can withdraw from some hateful warfare online 
Me too. or whatever else, I'm going to take it. So if I really don't see a point in uh, attacking somebody online, I'm, I'm not going to do it, you know? And if somebody's saying like the whole point is in making us feel better, I think you should rethink these things that make you feel better and why. And you should start feel feeling better about not participating in this particular way. I'm not saying it's it's always the wrong thing to do to go on the attack with people. You know, we we obviously do that some of the theocrats all the time. You know, we 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 call people out for the things we're doing, but I like to think that we're attacking the idea, we're attacking the consequences of the things that they're doing. And right now I see Silverman as a guy who was kind of busted down, kicked out. And now from the very cursory glance, I even took at his stuff while people were, uh, you know, all in an uproar about this. It looks like that the, the all the attention he's getting are from people who absolutely hate him at this point. And, you know, I'm not convinced that you don't just learn to thrive off of that. And, you know... I don't think he was just trying to start controversy with me. I honestly think he was just passing through. But if he did have bad intentions and he wanted to get attention, this would certainly be a way to go about it and just hope I take the bait and drive, you know, and dive headlong into a controversy with him. Yeah. That's not what I choose to do. But, yeah. and if his feelings were going to be hurt by me denouncing him, probably not. You know, then that's all that we would have gotten out of it. Yeah, I don't think it would have it, it would have made anybody else more safe. It would have dissuaded anybody from in reality from listening to him if they're listening to him. It just would have been it just would have been drama. It would have been a spectacle. And yeah. I think we have to stop saying like, oh, because these counterproductive things make the community feel better. We're obligated to do them, whether they're counterproductive or not. No, I think we can course correct and realize what's counterproductive and not do those things and be more tactical about moving forward in ways that actually are productive. And we don't have to make ourselves into monsters doing it. There's another thing that I want to point out here, which is a practice that that really bothers me. And I call it minority ventriloquism. And it is when people speak on behalf of the gay community, the queer community. And a lot of the language that was being used during this kerfuffle was the queer community within TST does not feel safe because of this. The queer community sees this as a slap in the face. The queer community are questioning whether you, Lucian Greaves, see us as equal. I am queer, and I am not threatened by this. There are a lot of trans people in TST, specifically trans people, who are also not threatened by this. I know because I've heard from them. Oh, I have too. And I've, and, heard, I've heard from a number of people and in... And believe me, not all of them by far are in the camp where they're demanding my resignation. I actually got messages from people who were saddened in leaving TST because of the way the community responded because yeah. they thought it was which it was bizarre. It was yeah, it was 
unkind and it was not a community they wanted to associate with. Which, frankly, I relate with. I mean, I'm if I were looking in on this community from the outside right now, if, if I were looking at the most vocal parts of it, I would prefer to go drink sherry and play bridge with the Anglicans. Like it, it, this looks so embarrassing and so toxic. If I were not part of TST already, I would be like, I'm never getting involved with this because this is not a community that is living up to its standards. This is not a this is not a community living up to its professed values. And I don't want to be part of that because I am a minister and because I love this community really deeply. I'm here and I'm staying and I love this community and I want the best for it and I want the best for every single individual in it. And um, I'm also just deeply disappointed. I'm I'm incredibly disappointed in how the community, parts of our community, have responded with with such vitriol to something that you did not foresee, trying to make you say certain things or read from a certain script without understanding or without willing to concede or without willing w- without being willing to hear that you are acting on principle this is not just you being stubborn this is not that this is you choosing to act on principle and i've heard a lot of people say oh it would it would cost lucian nothing to denounce Silverman. Why isn't he doing it? What does it mean that he isn't denouncing Silverman? I'm sorry, but that is not true. It does cost you something. It costs you, it costs you your principles. That's what it costs you. And the simple fact is exile is not the way. And I don't want to be in a community where we treat people with such cruelty. That does not fill me with a desire to be a better person. That doesn't fill me with inspiration. That disappoints me. And so I am right there with you. I want to talk some about the criticism of being defensive on Twitter. So I think it's fair to acknowledge from the start that Twitter is an eternal dumpster fire and Twitter makes everything worse. All of the worst things that have happened to us have happened on Twitter. (laughs) Like, so many of the worst things that have ever happened in my life have been instigated on Twitter, with the exception of things like the shooting I survived when I was 19 and going through ex-gay therapy, like the real-life shit. But I mean, like, the most stressful interpersonal struggles that I have encountered have been instigated because of the medium of Twitter, which is just prone to dysfunction. So I I have a three-point statement that I want to make here. When the complaints started to go down and people were starting to call for your resignation and people were starting to demand that you make statements and people were demanding that you denounce David Silverman and people were essentially demanding that you have a a PR person cock block every photo with every problematic person that you've ever 
you know, that you might ever take a picture with on the basis of their Twitter experience. And we can talk about that later. When all of those accusations started to come in, you were responding to it. And I will be happy to concede that it came off as defensive. And maybe that wasn't and and that wasn't helpful. However, and there is a big however here, it is cruel and unusual to call for the resignation of someone over something that they had no foresight on, something that explodes overnight that they could not predict. It is cruel and ugly to expect someone to behave with pure, angelic, stoic self-restraint. Because people who are accused of absurd things get defensive. That's human nature. Now, from a PR perspective, is it ideal? No, of course not. But it is also cruel and wrong to expect people to respond as, as if, you know, they're Marcus Aurelius facing the battle. That's not the way this works. And it is quite simply cruel and awful and inhumane to expect someone to wake up in the morning to demands of their resignation from the religious organization that they have sacrificed their life to, that they have spent the past decade building over a fucking photograph. How is someone not supposed to get defensive? And You know, I don't feel... I. I mean, all that said, I don't feel apologetic about getting defensive. Honestly. No, I don't think you should. I don't think you should. We can't validate inauthentic apologies. We can't start a culture of inauthentic apologies. That is the path to misery. I think we should apologize for things when we actually believe we fucked up. And you shouldn't apologize if you don't believe you fucked up. That's the way I see it. And, you know, where I was coming from, I felt like if people understood what the circumstances are here, they would know that there's nothing to this and that this is all kind of a ridiculous uproar. And it's just strange to me when people say that that it, it goes beyond that, like that, that despite your innocence in this case, you now owe it to us to follow our script and that's when you're that's when it, it takes on like a kind of cult like bizarre feel and yeah. it, 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 there's there's absolutely no winning on that you, you know it's not really a matter of of win or lose but i i also don't feel like i i don't even feel like it was bad pr because i feel like it's bad pr to give undue acknowledgement to these baseless criticisms. I think it, I want to do everything I can to not foster an environment in which we cultivate this mob mentality, this kind of behavior, these kinds of demands for allegiance and these demands that people subjugate their will to posting verbatim the script that somebody else writes because somebody's got it in their mind that this is the only way in which we can demonstrate that we're we're with a cause and in fact the tangible things we do are are less important than 
the bullshit social media posts we put up and, and the, the fact that we're on the right hashtags at the right time and that kind of thing. It's it's so strange, I think, that it's gotten to the point where people really don't seem to see a value in real activism, but only the rhetoric of activism as put on social media and and yeah. for a limited period of exposure and nothing happens. It's... Here's the third thing that I wanted to say on on the point of social media. If someone says that you should not have tweeted through this PR situation, if someone says that, then that is also true of the rest of us. And the fact is, I saw a lot of stuff that frankly puts what you tweeted to shame in its rank venom. You didn't, by the way, you didn't demonstrate any venom at all, in my opinion. But I saw posts of people having big emotions on social media and just posting and tweeting all the way through this thing. And here's the thing. If you aren't supposed to tweet through this, then neither are any of us, especially fellow ministers and leaders in the temple. We're all better than this. We all need to take our bullshit off of social media because social media makes all of this worse. And I think that we should all basically just go sit in our corners and think about the fact that social media is not where our religious life should play out. And that that's the final point that I want to say. If you if if people say you shouldn't have tweeted through this, then frankly none of us should have. And well, they've got double standard. They know uh That's right. You know, they they can tweet something one day and feel reasonably certain that by a couple weeks from then nobody has any recollection of what they tweeted or what their attitude was or whether they were on the bandwagon part of the mob or whatever it for me it's different and you know similarly any of them could have pictures with people who people would be pissed off at them being in a picture with even family members or something like that but nobody's going to notice because they're not me they they're not you know people aren't scrutinizing it in that way but the fact of the matter is I'm just some guy. I was getting messages from people that was indicating that they have a really loose grasp of what my daily routine must look like and what conditions I must be living in. And it seems to me that a lot of people feel like TST and I have unlimited wealth. I got a message from people, I got messages from people advising me that some of my team should vet these appointments I have. They should. I should have people looking into who people are before I have pictures taken with them. <laughs> and it's like I don't. I don't have a team of people working under me. There's not a security crew following me around 100 of the time. You know, I, I got to get security at events and things like that. But I. I don't have secretarial services. I. I do this shit on my own. It's just so when you. People are also talking about what. EM isn't doing. I think they don't realize that of the things we are doing, we're the only ones doing them. We don't have an office space where there's a bunch of cubicles and people taking our requests and 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 dictating our notes and things like that. I go to my office, 
I'm the one there. You know, somebody wants to get a picture with me, they can get a picture with me. That's the way it goes. We we don't have that kind of we don't have that kind of crew. We're doing the best we can. And it certainly doesn't help when people are leering like vultures all over the internet. So quick to take the least charitable interpretation of anything they can in order sometimes I think to make themselves look better with their grandstanding and and show everybody just how dedicated they are by willing to call out their own community when they think they see something rotten. I think their motivation to do that uh, exceeds their motivation to have any real dialogue sometimes or to figure out what's actually going on because the temptation to call something out is too great because the reward seems, you know, just far too good, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so to recap this point, uh, TST is not rolling in resources. TST is funding massive lawsuits and it that takes an enormous amount of money. The reason TST doesn't have a, a, a you know a PR team working under you is because there isn't the money for it. I mean, it, things are tight. This isn't the Catholic Church. It isn't the fucking Vatican. You know, Salem, <laughs> your, your you know headquarters is not the Satanic Vatican at the heart of Salem. And so it, it it is like this this weird disconnection from the life that you are actually living. But here's the thing: even if even if you did have the resources to to vet people before they take a photo with you, I I don't think you sh- I still don't think you should. I think that is an unreasonable demand, and I would rather this is me. Okay, this is me sharing my perspective. This is me taking my turn to share my response to this whole situation, just in the same way other people have taken their turn to share theirs. I would rather live in a community that sees a photo of you with someone who is who might be a problematic figure and be like, oh, okay, who cares? Because we know the work that we are doing, why would we let a single photograph with Lucian, who is a public figure and headquarters is open to the public, why would we let a single photograph ruin 10 years of work in support of human rights? Why would we do that? We know who we are and we don't care. Lucian can have whatever friendships he wants to have and it does not reflect on me as a member of the satanic temple because the temple is larger than just Malcolm and Lucian. The temple is us. The temple is the community. So why should we obsess over who Lucian is taking a photo with? And I would just rather live in a community that has the maturity to be able to look at a situation like this and say, that's fine. Lucian is a, Lucian is one dude. He can make the decisions he wants. He can have the friendships he wants. He can take a photo with anyone. And that does not reflect on me. And that's the kind of community that I want to live in. I think that's a mature community. I think that's a wise community. And 
frankly, I'm disappointed that it seems like I'm not living in that community right now. That's really disappointing because I want to be around people who inspire me to have resilience, who inspire me to practice good faith, to be charitable, to ask questions, to not assume, to not trust the first thought or the first impulse that comes into my mind. That's the community that I want to be in. And right now it doesn't feel like that's the community that we're in. Well, we want a community of collaborators too. So I think it's wildly inappropriate to look at me and say, you haven't done enough for trans rights. I've never claimed that trans rights was my specialty. Uh, people know what my specialties are. Moral panics, satanic panic, Satanism, First Amendment religious rights, that type of thing. And I work over full time on those types of things. And the idea is, you know, I started getting these claims where people were saying, well, we've been trying to have a trans rights campaign now, and it's been turned down all the time. Nobody has pitched a trans rights campaign to us. They've pitched the idea, but they've never pitched a strategy. Like when you talk about a campaign, it's more than getting people together to post fucking statements on social media and more empty rhetoric saying, you know, this is we we stand with you and salute you and all that bullshit that's just absolutely empty. And I wish people in the communities that those are directed to would start getting pissed off about that. Uh, I just, that's the kind of proposals we've gotten where it's like, we want a campaign and the campaign is nothing more than branding on social media. And we issue statements and I have strong feelings about statements and this whole thing has, I feel this effect where it's the opposite of the intended effect, I think. I, I was supposed to yield to this idea of statements, and now I think it's important to really draw a line and tell people, like, no, statements that are just grandstanding are not helpful. And if you think of it that way, then so far, I feel like I've done the heavy lifting on tra trans rights in the, the Satanic Temple, because at least I came up with the uh, protocols for expert witnessing for any possible trans rights case that somebody might take to court. But nobody's come to us with a proposal on how to strategize something, bring, whether it's lobbying, whether it's legal defense, something that can be integrated into our unique position as being a non-right-wing, non-conservative, uh, recognized religious organization fighting for human rights on a level that most traditional religious organizations eschew. Um, nobody's done that. And so the only thing we really have on the record is something I came up with, and we're really looking to the community within to guide us more on those things. And we made that known. We've made that known, so it, it's really disturbing to me when we get the sudden acrimony accusing us of not doing enough when I feel like we're doing all we can with what we have. We're just a few people, and we're also relying on you, who are now accusing us of not doing enough, to come to us with valid ideas of what we can do going forward as well. And if you're stumped on ideas, that's 
not necessarily anybody else's fault. Like it's it's a difficult issue. It's difficult to know what you can even do sometimes in an environment where it's it's not clear necessarily what kind of lobbying helps, what kind of litigation helps. We're just in a culture war environment where everybody's pissed off. And I think the best thing you can do in that is not start acting like an angry mob to put down the pitchforks and torches and try to take a reasoned approach to things. And part of that is not demanding denunciations from people who don't feel like giving them for a particular person. Yes. <laughs> even even if that person is guilty, like I said, even if they're even if they're you know deserving recipients of everything they've gotten, you know, there are people who can admit to that and say that they they agree and somebody's deserve deserves what they got. But just if they don't want to be the one to do it, respect their boundaries on that. For fuck's sake, yeah, respect definitely. their boundaries on that. You know, if somebody sees the humanity in Ted Bundy's eyes or whatever, do not, you know, call them a moral monster for that. Yeah, Give them their space, you know, <laughs> let them take what battles they can have, especially when this one's handled. And, no. and I'm so glad that actually that you brought up the the Ted Bundy example. I because I was thinking leading up to this episode, I know people who were actually friends with serial killers. Some of the very famous serial killers like Richard Ramirez. I know there are people in my life who knew them, who who were actually quite close with them. And listen, Life is fucking complicated that way. I am not personally harmed and I'm deeply suspicious of claims of harm because of some friendship that someone else has. Life is full of weird, complicated, gray situations. That's just the way the world is. And I have had friends who I recognize now were profoundly morally flawed and i genuinely loved them and they genuinely changed my life for the better what do we do with that well nothing we just rest in the complexity of that situation because that's the way life is and and again i want to live in a community that is wise enough to accept these complexities in life that is wise enough to to say that Jonathan Rausch, the gay activist, being friends with the conservative pastor Timothy Keller, does not solely Jonathan Rausch's principles. It, it doesn't, and it doesn't compromise my place in the world, and I am not personally threatened or harmed by that. In what tangible, meaningful way am I harmed by that? I'm not. I'm not at all. I wish I lived in a community in a religious community that had that wisdom. I'm trying to say this uh, with as much understanding and compassion as I can, and I have to say that I don't hate I don't hate anyone in the temple, and I'm I'm just disappointed, and I want better for us, and I know that we can do better. I know that we can be wiser. In my opinion, what is wiser? And I also accept that maybe there's stuff that I'm missing, right? 
in and maybe maybe there's something here that I'm not seeing, in which case this is why we need to have these conversations, which is this is why we need to listen to each other. But right now, I really am just very disappointed in my own community, and that is not a good feeling. That is a shitty thing to feel. Well, it 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 it, it, it is it, it does have all the components of an angry mob attack, though. When when it when you're demanding that somebody use a verbatim script, you're demanding a specific behavior from them, you're demanding full adherence. You know, that's one element of it. But another element of that collectivization is just this always pretending you're speaking for somebody else. You were calling it this ventriloquism where it, it immediately became, became apparent that, you know, in the midst of my defensive tweets, that my rationale, my reasoning the the uh the explanation for these circumstances was never to be considered sufficient or even considered at all because the idea was that i had harmed this community and so if i was engaging in somebody directly with somebody directly they would say that you know they might understand where i'm coming from and they understand i can't vet everybody who comes through that i get a picture with and Nobody would really ask that of me, but what am I going to do to make this right with the community I harmed? And it's one of those things where it places this it, it, it places this burden on you that you can never measure up to because then you're not speaking directly to anybody at all. You're speaking to a concept, the concept of this community. And the community apparently can't understand any of these direct appeals or explanations. The community always is spoken of as like this infant that only understands particular hashtags and statements. And, you know, and that's the community that needs to be placated. You're not speaking to any individuals at all. There's just this notion. And I think that's a dangerous idea as well. It, it it becomes this kind of carte blanche that, well, you're not really doing this for me. You're doing this for the community. And the community is made up of individuals, I think, who are at some point going to have to make a conscious decision as to whether they're going to accept what I'm saying or they're not. But they're being treated as though they're never going to see this anyway. All they can see is the potential offense to them. And there is no reasoning with the community. You shouldn't even try. It's terrible to even try that. It's harmful to them to even try to reason with them. And, you know, when you're not addressing whomever you're addressing or whoever, whoever you're talking to uh, takes this conceit upon themselves that they're speaking so broadly for so many other people... There's really nowhere you can go with that. And I think we have to get back down to the level again where we are speaking to each other as individuals. And even if we're not just individuals, but we're reading broader statements, we have to consider what our individual reaction is to it and maybe talk honestly to each other about what that is rather than wondering what the verbatim script is that would be prescribed to you by the people who demand that they know what the community needs from you at that point. I think everybody 
should stop playing this bullshit game. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think if there's anything, anything else that that needs to be said. I mean, I I just want to emphasize. Listen, if hmm, how do I, how do I want to say this? If if a certain party has the if if one coalition within TST has the freedom and empowerment and right which they do to voice to voice concerns then so am I and I think that is only fair and right and that's really where this is coming from and I know that during this episode we have said some pretty hard things I mean this episode sucks to record it sucks to edit it will suck to post but this is a community and we all have a voice and um that doesn't mean that we will see eye to eye on everything but it does mean that we can work together for a better world and i know we can and i know that we have a we have i i know that we can uh have a strong and vibrant and beautiful community together and in my opinion, we're better than this. We're so much better than this. Yeah, and that said, like people can disagree with me on the power of statements and stuff like that. Absolutely. And I'm happy to to talk with people uh, about these things. Like I think the most relevant argument we can be having with each other is about what are the best tactics for moving forward. And I mean, honestly, I really think we should be thinking much more clearly about how we take the battle to the enemy and how we make real tangible progress rather than trying to perfect the script in how we speak to each other because i think we should be allowing more flexibility in that yes but if we can all just agree that we're fighting for the same goals but we might disagree on tactics then I think we've really opened up a positive conversation. I like what, what are the agree. tactics that, that that are going to bring us forward? And that's, I think that's what's really lacking here. And I think that's why this conversation is important because I think a lot of people were acting in a really ugly way because it didn't occur to them that what they were doing was monstrous. But I have to admit, when I saw those attacks, I thought people were being monstrous. And I don't think it's just self-serving to think so like I, I i wouldn't leave this position and put somebody else in this position on those terms because i couldn't expect them to survive so it's not just for me it's for the integrity of the organization overall we just can't set up an environment where whomever is in such a position is ultimately going to be taken down by the weight of circumstance because there's no explaining random events, you know, <laughs> it, there's there's no telling people, all right, I didn't know what this guy's point of view was. So now now I'm out or whatever. And, you know, if if we accept that for me, we accept that against various other people. And I shudder to think like well, if some of these people who have sent me messages about wrongfully being kicked out of congregations really were and that kind of thing. But, you know. I just think we're we're better people overall if we make ourselves available to different approaches, different ways of communication, because honestly, the empty rhetoric of, of statements approach is just not a way I communicate. Yeah. And, and, and I think, uh, you know, 
I, despite saying hard things, I think they're they're necessary things, and hopefully, people take them in the right way. People take them as a as an opportunity to maybe reflect and 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 think about whether whether this really is productive, whether this is the only moral way to approach such circumstances. Yeah, definitely. And dear listeners, it is one hundred percent okay to disagree with us on some point. I think Lucian and I are pretty much in accord on most of the things that we've discussed here. That is- said, I, w- I would like to say, though, there are no shortage of organizations that are just happy to take donations and post social media statements. Like, <laughs> feel free to go work with any one of those. My feeling with the Satanic Temple is that we get shit done. We don't just talk about doing shit. You can you can join up with the Church of Satan. They they're always happy to post how they wholeheartedly reject the, these encroachments of church and state and things like that. They don't do a fucking thing, but everybody gets a warm and fuzzy feeling when they make these posts. So I mean <laughs> it's it's not like it's not like anybody's at a loss to find a place for that kind of thing. And by all means, go go do that if 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 you need to. Yeah. And if people disagree with that, at least grant us that this is our honestly held position. And people might not like it, and I'm even willing to be debated out of it. I'm even willing to be shown that maybe I'm wrong on some of the things that I've said here. But living Oh yeah, in- I'm I'm willing to be shown wrong on all yeah. of it. But but I I just don't I just don't feel like uh, the opposition here has also given the benefit of the doubt and, and thought about things in those terms. And I, I, like I said, I think when when the mob mentality takes hold, a lot of people just don't consider whether what they're doing is immoral. And I do feel that screaming for people's heads and, and screaming for people to denounce people who are well denounced already for no particular end other than to placate their feelings is just... It's a downward spiral of abusive behavior and in mob mentality. Yeah, and I I don't want any part of it. So I'm I'm just realizing that we haven't addressed the the third and final concern. We've we've touched on it, but I want to address it more directly, which is that it isn't so much the problem isn't so much the photograph itself. The problem is that it highlights a pattern of silence on trans issues. And because there has been a silence on on trans issues in support of trans rights, it, it leaves people feeling uncertain of where you stand. So, you know, if 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 someone, you know, because of that that past, because of that history of you not demonstrating vocal support of trans rights, then when a photo with someone like David Silverman resurfaces, there isn't goodwill built for trust that uh, of where you stand. There isn't uh, a trust that you have people's backs. And I think that that is the third concern that I've heard here. How do you respond to that? I mean, I, as I responded earlier, like I, I just don't don't post those statements. Look at what we're doing. We've got we've got trans satanic. We've got a membership, you know, that I estimate is probably more, uh, probably less 
cis heterosexual than <laughs> than not <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> most any other 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 group you could possibly uh, look into yeah and no, definitely. i mean I, I just i i mean maybe it's because i'm so entrenched in all this and i know our culture i assume other people do too that i just feel like it's kind of ludicrous but i'm, I'm still just a long way away from feeling like i need to post my daily pledge of loyalty to uh, the movement or whatever else when 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 these are the facts on the ground and and i just don't want it to take on that flavor where everybody's comfortable with the random statement uh, like i said and also you know it's so fraught it's such a fraught uh uh category uh, trans rights lgbtq rights it's the 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 arguments about it pop up on my twitter feed regardless of what i post you know and at a certain point you have to wonder are all these posts where people are proclaiming things actually helpful in any way or is it just driving people's resentment because of course on social media you're not posting a whole book you're not posting a full essay for the most part, not posting a full argument even. So you're just kind of throwing out fodder for the fire. And people are more than happy to complain and, and argue all day long, one way or the other. And, you know, I don't, despite being on the front line of church state debates all the time, I really try to avoid just posting culture war shit that invites that kind of behavior on social media. I would rather people ultimately judge us for what we do and judge everybody for what we do. And I think we would come out way ahead of anybody else if that were the case. I can't believe how much some of the other organizations get away with not doing a goddamn thing, but posting <laughs> statements. <laughs> I mean, yeah. not to name anybody I mean, specifically, but motherfucking Women's March. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I know. All they do is fundraise, get people to go out and protest, hold up signs, and post statements all over their social media. Yeah. And then they have the fucking audacity to put out a book about how they changed the world or whatever. Yeah. Like, we, we have nothing near the financing they have, yet... We've brought so many more things to court and have done so many more tangible things than they will ever do. Yeah. So there really is a fundamental difference of philosophy here. And this philosophy is sincerely held and at least grant Lucian the fact that he holds this philosophy. And maybe you have a differing philosophy. Maybe, you know, public statements mean something to you and you feel like they are important and valuable and an important part of the social landscape. That's I, all I will yield. I will yield to the notion that this might just be or or might partially be an, an outcome of just oppositional defiance of people trying to tell me what I have to do in a way that makes me feel like I've yielded agency to them mm. if I <laughs> if I comply. Well, we are saying the way to get me to not do something is insist that it's the only possible thing that I can do to, yeah. to make things right. Well, we are Satanists and you know how Satanists are. 
<laughs> but right. I mean, there there is so that that granted that possibly being the case, it is also true that there is a a difference in philosophy here. And if you want to change Lucian's mind on it, then actually try to change his mind, actually engage with that core philosophy and demonstrate why it's wrong. At least grant us that. Being in community means being with people who do have profoundly different philosophies. And this is that that that's um, the discomfort of being in community, especially a community of Satanists and, you know, Jesus. Satanists are like cats. We are all very headstrong and all have very strong opinions. Um, I want to end on a on a positive note, which is I want to highlight the Satanic Temple's expert witness services. And I think that this is a beautiful thing. And I'm going to read the post uh, that was that announced this three days ago on Instagram from the official Satanic Temple account. So this post reads, Introducing the Satanic Temple's new expert witness services, a dedicated initiative supporting TST's trans and fellow LGBTQIA2 plus community members. This service is specifically tailored to support TST's trans members who face infringements on their bodily autonomy by government entities at a local, state, or federal level. For our LGBTQIA2 community members involved in legal proceedings to defend their bodily autonomy, TST's ordained ministers of Satan are available to provide expert testimony affirming their religious rights as TST members. The testimony will uphold the deeply held conviction expressed in our third tenet, emphasizing that bodily autonomy is a core and fundamental religious right. This initiative is more than a service. It is a pledge of support for our LGBTQIA2 plus members and the ongoing fight for bodily autonomy. So... I love my fellow LGBT people. We have been forged in the fires of oppression together. I absolutely love all of you. That does not mean that I can't call out what I see as unhelpful behavior when I see it. And both of those things can be true at the same time. And I'm excited to see where our community goes. I'm excited to see where TST goes. And I think there's a lot of incredible, good, exciting, wonderful things ahead of us as a community and in the world in our activism and fighting on behalf of human rights. So there's a bright future for us together. And I 100% believe that. Do you have any final words, Lucian? Yeah, I just hope we can cultivate an internal culture where we really are approaching things in the optimal way to see the best results that we can, not just for the legal battles and things like that, but for community building too. I mean, and that's that's why I that's why I do this. It's why I'm doing this interview. That's why I'm talking about this. That's why I'm I'm letting it be known that I think this is counterproductive. I think it's counterproductive for the whole community. And something I've said, I think, multiple times here, but I can't express enough because people will just relish taking all of this out of context, is that it's not about anybody 
specifically. It's not about David Silverman and what he did. It's about asking me to be somebody who denounces him. It's it's about making people do that kind of thing and comply with that kind of behavior. It's about calling for other people to pick up the torch in the pitchfork. It's not about what it does to Silverman. It's what it does to us when we let ourselves do that, when we start doing that kind of thing, when we start behaving that way, when we become the executioner, when we become the torturer, when we become the judge, it does something to us. It changes us as people. And we don't have to do that. We don't have to do that to win. And in fact, we'll probably do better at winning in the long run if we don't do those kinds of things, if we take a more considered approach, if we stop being overly concerned about our own emotions about things and start trying to think tactically about how to confront them. This is the way the right is winning right now. They're pooling their resources. They're looking past ecumenical differences. They're, they're, they're getting it together and they're focused. They get up early and they vote. On our side, you know, you know, you can't post a picture without people calling for your resignation. And the fact of the matter is, is our opposition realizes that. And, you know, some people have suggested that that was Silverman's plan all along. I don't think it was. I really don't think it was. But, you know, it, it should tell you something that if it was, this is how we replied. This is how we took the bait. And when we're predictable like that, we can be used against each other to tear each other apart. And it doesn't benefit anybody but our opposition. And I really think that's all I got. I have to say. Well, there you have it. Um, thank you so much, Lucian. I hate that we did this episode, but I love you, bro. <laughs> and we'll talk soon. <laughs> thank you so much. I, I I hope it's taken in the right way. But if it's if it's not, what I guess people just aren't ready for it yet. I think I think it'll be taken uh, taken the right way in the long run. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, that is it for this show. The music is by Eleven D Seven. The theme song is Wild. You can find it on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you listen to music. This show is written, produced, and edited by me, Stephen Bradford Long. And as always, hail Satan. And thanks for listening. <laughs>